Okay, here's the situation. Our daughter Mia is leaving for her first sleepover. We have friends coming to stay, and we just got a puppy. So I go on Instacart and solve everything in one order from Kohl's. Fun PJs for Mia. Oh, new bedding for the guest room. And a vacuum cleaner that actually picks up pet hair. All delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. With Kohl's on Instacart, there's no such we can't fix. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to the 18 Degrees Below Horizon podcast with your hosts, Dr. Nicola Felton and John Fouts. While Dr. Nicola is a psychotherapist and certified life coach, a podcast is a one-way street, so please consider this podcast for inspirational purposes only. If you feel you have mental health needs, please seek a professional therapist so that you might find your own mental wellness. This is 18 Degrees Below Horizon podcast, and I'll let my wonderful co-host, Dr. Nicola Felton, introduce herself. <laughs> I am Dr. Nicola Felton, and you can find me at my Twitter handle at, at, L, at Felton, N-L-H-C-W. There you go. It's hard to remember that. But there you go. <laughs> it really is. Um, I am John Fouts. You can find me at John Fouts or John underscore Fouts just about anywhere on the internet as far as all the social media uh, hotspots. I even have a, um, oh, what is it? Now I can't remember. But anyway, literally, I tried to back. A, you know, a decade ago, I tried to sign up for everything that I saw potential in so that as I grew as an entertainer, I would have my name plastered everywhere versus having to go with, um, you know, something, something different, some acronym or whatever. So I'm pretty easy to find, um, you know, as far as um, who am I? What do I do? I, I entertain is probably the simplest way to put that. I, I like what you put down on one of the promotions that I am, you know, director John Fouts, which mm-hmm. I'll take, I'll wear that hat too. It's, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes, you know, I used to, um, when the kids were in school and they were asked, what does your dad do? And they would give the long list. And I'm sure all the kids were like, oh my gosh, you know, my dad's a banker. That's easy. My dad's a fireman. That's easy. But no, I've, I've worn a lot of hats and learned a lot of things over the years. So, so um, I was looking up, I was hoping that, that Rumi had a quote about change that would be really, really cool, uh, you know, to kind of kick this show off. And, um, so it, it, and so I found a whole host of uh, different sayings. So I figure we can kind of kick it off with this. Uh, one of them is, why do you stay in prison when the door is so wide open? And I think that's where, oh, I, yeah, mm-hmm. profound. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I, I thought that kind of really resonated with the message that we're um, talking about today. And then also um, one from Maya Angelou, um, what you're supposed to do when you don't like a thing is change it. If you can't change it, change the way you think about it. Don't complain. And so I thought that, that applied as well, because sometimes it is our perspective on something versus actually um, you know, I'm going to physically change, um, you know, work out, I will, you know, learn a new trade or whatever. Sometimes it's just simply our perspective on this item in front of us or our life or, or, you know, that needs to change to find that peace about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's very interesting because, um, 
people don't know that, because um, that's a good question, like, you know, why do you stay in prison when the door is wide open? But mm-hmm. we do that to ourselves. And um, it's something that goes, you know, therapeutically way back mm-hmm. um, to not necessarily to how they were they were raised, but their interpretation of what did they what they need to do for change or mm-hmm. uh, how change was either um, involved in their lives when they were little and so forth. And mm-hmm. um, sometimes when you're young, you have to accept things that are think that that things have to change because you have people that pass on you have mm-hmm. you know family members that come and go people family members get divorces divorced and then you know other, the other half is gone and right um so diff- different things happen to kind of um um i guess teach our children uh, subconsciously um uh, what they need to do with change but also in how we hold on to friendships and relationships even mm-hmm. at work you know um um, how we're we're doing that so we forget that we are imprisoning ourselves like you're right the door's wide open it's like okay go go do something different step out of your comfort zone and you see the door <laughs> you no know, it's open you know and right. you're looking at the other side and it looks pretty good over there but you got somebody or something over here saying and not directly to you but subconsciously in your mind you're hearing that something or, or someone saying don't go you know and right um and don't you know we're not realizing that it's holding us back that mm-hmm. we are uh we are in charge of our own destiny and um what goals we set for ourselves and how we set out to you know to achieve them and yes there are going to be roadblocks and they're going to be stumbling blocks and they're going to be uh people and things that get in your way to hold you back that's that's the nature of of um of how we function as humans, but at the same time, there are going to be wide open doors and there are going to be stepping stones and there are going to be people that pull you forward. And so mm-hmm. you have to make a conscious decision of what's going to be the best for you in the long run. Cause, and you know what, what's um, very interesting is how people make a choice and it may not be the best choice for them, but it seems like the best choice at the time. Mm-hmm. We, we don't know how to say, you know what? <laughs> I know that I said, that I was going to do this or I was right. going to go in this direction, but this is really just not what's good for me. So mm-hmm. I'm going to change course. Right. And we have to not be afraid to change course, to, to do something different that, you know, I, I, uh, I made up my mind to do something and then I realized that that's not for me. Mm-hmm. We get, we, we get hold on to how many people that we tell we're going to do this thing and how many people are looking forward to seeing this thing happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the same time, how many people who think we're going to fail and so if we don't do it, that means we're, we've, you know, we failed and we've proven them right. You know, it's right. like, you know, the good and the bad could hold us back, but we right. have to do what's best for um, ourselves in the long run. And, um, you know, we as humans, we have to work to find a way to get out of what other people think or believe about us. Right. Uh, yeah. That's, uh, it's, it's, it's very interesting. Um, probably will go much deeper than this show, but mm-hmm. the reason I came up with, that the concept of a reason, a season, a lifetime mm-hmm. is like a, um, a, a gateway to learning how to accept change. Mm-hmm. And when we can, because he said, you know, acceptance of change means one, accepting that things, knowing and acknowledging and facing and embracing that which has to be different, that which has to change. Well, how do we do that? Well, we have to realize not only just people, people and things um, and situations come into our life for a reason, a season, a lifetime. And if we can put people places and things in the categories mm-hmm. where they belong, you know, and knowing that they may move out of that category, like you marry someone that's for a lifetime. Mm-hmm. But in that marriage, it may not have been a positive thing, but you learned so much and you grew so much, but you knew that wasn't going to work and you divorced. And that person maybe was in your life for a reason or a season mm-hmm. and not necessarily 
for a lifetime, but you learned lifetime things about yourself in order for you to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have to be able to put things in categories and move them out of categories and do whatever, you know, we need mm-hmm. to do, um, in order for that to work. And, um, I think that, um, and I don't want to be long winded here, but an example, <laughs> yeah, but an example, um, you can tell I've thought a lot about this. I've been thinking about it for seven days, but, um, an example of, I'm you know, I homeschool my son, mm-hmm. an example of teaching about accepting change, um, my son, you know, he loves 4-H and he's been doing 4-H for two years now, but he mm-hmm. does a, um, a, a few things. One example I'll tell you about is uh, vegetables, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so he was, he was growing some vegetables last year and he decided these were going to be the vegetables to go to, to the county fair and he wanted them to be good enough to go to the state fair. And then we found out that the vegetables go to county fair don't necessarily have to be the ones to go to the state fair. Because I'm like, that's not, they're not going to last 30 days just right. out. Right? right. And so he had to accept that he needed two things now, mm-hmm. whether the same type of thing or something different, whatever. There's 50 tomatoes. And of those 50 tomatoes, he picked out because of the smaller ones, mm-hmm. 10 of them. Right. And put them to the side. By the time I got ready to go to the county fair, about three of them were no longer fair ready. Right. And so I said that they were there for a reason. You, you set them up and they said, OK, this is what they should look like. And so they weren't looking good anymore. Right. And you had to go get some fresh ones and put it out there. But um, it was hard for him to say because, you know, you, you he takes them, he put them in a plastic bag, he marks the county fair on them and mm-hmm. put them in the, in the bottom <laughs> of the fridge. That means don't touch these. Tomatoes. Right. <laughs> and so, yeah. So but you has you had to realize that, you know, OK, so that's what they're supposed to look like. They're supposed to continue to look like that the day you take them to the county fair. Mm-hmm. And if they don't, you have to remove them. And so I use that as my, um, the, the you know, the gateway to be able to talk about acceptance of change. Mm-hmm. If that doesn't work, you have to do something different. Mm-hmm. So this year, not only did he pick extra tomatoes, he picked like 10 different uh, vegetables and planted all 10 in order to go to the county fair. You can only <laughs> take five. Right. You can only take five kinds. So, but he knew then that I need to set myself up to be able to accept that I'm, I may have to do something different. Right, right. I may have to list more than I'm going to take. Because last year, honestly, taking those three tomatoes out of there was a was a challenge. I tell the story as if, okay, so he realized that. Well, he realized that after about two hours of me going, they're not going <laughs> to <don't> work. <laughs> they're a little bit shriveled, you know. Right. <laughs> so, you know, and so, so, but this year was different. And so I'm hoping that he's able to carry that on yeah. um, to the rest of his life and knowing that that was good for then, but it's not going to work for right now. Mm-hmm. And I still have to pick the best if I'm, if I'm competing or if I need to pick, you know, what's best for me, if I'm moving on to do something that's going to be, you know, bigger and better for my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and it's, and it's better to make that change very early on. Um, and so that you're not living with other regret because once you mm-hmm. realize that you have to make a change in your life, the longer you stay in that situation, the more difficult it's going to be for you to transition mm-hmm. for you, you and anyone else that's involved in whatever it is you make, you're trying to make changes on. Mm-hmm. And you really have to be selfish at that point. You have to say mm-hmm. what is best for me because, and really if people will slow down and think about it, then if it is better for you not to be a part of a project or whatever, once you step mm-hmm. out, then someone's going to step in who really has a heart for whatever that is. And everybody's going to be happier and every, the project will move forward with so much, um, with, with a much faster pace. 
and mm-hmm. be successful. Because sometimes it's that, you know, again, it's Jonah on the boat, right? You know, where, you know, you said you'd help out with this. This is really not your thing. And it's just, you start feeling really, you know, you shouldn't have stepped into the ring. You know, you should have mm-hmm. just said mm-hmm. no. But that's another tough thing for, you know, for people to um, to learn to say no. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and not to, just not delaying the inevitable. Mm-hmm. It's difficult for for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember there was, um, there's a couple and they were older and they were getting a divorce and they were having a difficult time telling their adult children. Mm-hmm. But the question that adult children has like, when did you guys decide you've been married for 35 years? When did you decide you didn't want to be together? Well, mom and dad said, well, we kind of knew this when we had been married for 12 years, but you guys were young and we didn't want to be disruptive to your lives. Mm-hmm. And they were like, We've been miserable since we were 12. So, <laughs> you know. Right. You know, at what point in time, yeah, what point in time were you doing something for us? Right. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know. So it's like, it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, go ahead. No, I'm just saying it's, you know, sometimes it's better to take care of things when you need to take care of them. Definitely. And, um, you know, I don't know why this comes to mind, but uh, some uh, I have multiple friends with wineries and they have their own vineyards. And I can't remember which one told me this. And this has probably been at least a decade ago. But they were sharing with me that, um, you know, the like the, their processes don't change. Now, the grapes do to a degree or whatever. But every seven years, our taste buds change so that we perceive flavors differently. So, and so sometimes you may, you know, prefer dry wine and then it may switch over to sweet wine or vice versa, or you may decide you don't like wine altogether. You're a beer person, or maybe you just want water. All that's fine. But uh, my point in bringing this up is sometimes I think, you know, someone will try something, whether it's vegetables or whether it's a job or, um, you know, whatever the case may be. And, because it doesn't work out right then, then it's, I'm done. I'm not going to, and it's, I, my kids would do this where it's like, oh no, I'm done with this dad. I tried softball. I'm never doing that again. And then a few years later, <laughs> they're older, bigger, stronger, whatever. And then they enjoy it, you know? And um, so sometimes your circumstances change and it's almost like solving a Rubik's cube or, or one of those other puzzles where, um, you know, you, you have to put one piece in to get the next piece in before the whole thing is completed. But sometimes circumstances change and then you're able to do what you had always planned to do. But it's, it's a matter of understanding that in this present moment, maybe it's not right for you to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it doesn't and mean that, that it will that, never happen. Yeah. 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 And that it's okay. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, people, um, and I'm pretty sure that I've been guilty of this in the past. I'm a little bit older now, but people are often, um, things hold them back because we say, what is someone going to think of me? Or Right. Um, you know, you don't want to be misjudged. You don't want to be um, discounted. You don't want to be mm-hmm. uh, seen as a person who constantly change their mind. Um, and I want to go one back, back one to what you said a few minutes ago. Um, you said now this is a time to be selfish. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I want to, I want to clarify that, um, because I do not think it's selfish to do what's best for you. Mm-hmm. I think it's a part of self care. Right. And I think that it's, we should <clears throat> learn that, um, what people, other people may define as 
that person's being selfish. Mm-hmm. Well, who exactly am I not taking care of? Right. By taking care of myself. Right. And you know so, what? I have gotten yeah. to the point that selfish is not a bad word. You know, and yeah. I think that's why I used it the way I did, because yeah. I think we should all be selfish. That's, you know, being a self-advocate. But it's interesting yeah. how certain words have that stigma, kind of like divorce used to be awful. Oh, my gosh. Uh, he's, you know, they're, you know they've, they've gotten a divorce or whatever. And then um, you're you're wearing that scarlet D on your chest. Right. And um, and so I think a lot of uh, phrases and uh, words need to kind of be rethought out and, um, you know, so that we can kind of give them a better definition. So there's not so much stigma in what these words carry with them. Right. And, um, and so, so what I hear you saying is being selfish can be self-care. Yeah, definitely. Right. And and so, you know, and I think that's a, a good way for people to be able to look at it because, you know, people say, oh, you're being selfish, being selfish because I'm not doing something for you and I'm doing something for myself. Right. And then it becomes their problem and not yours. Yeah. Because the emphasis is on what I'm doing. You can't make me do something for you. And if Mm -hmm. you're wanting me to take care of you versus myself, Mm -hmm. then who is being selfish? Right. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. So I I can't be selfish towards me. I'm taking care of me. Exactly. But mm-hmm. if you want me to just focus on you and your needs versus mine, <laughs> then you are being what they define as selfish. And so that that you know, it's just a uh, it's a, you know, it's an important point because most yeah. of the time when a person is calling you selfish in a negative tone, right. it's because you're not doing something for them. Right. And it is kind of like taking out that crowbar and trying to get something from you, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. So a reason if to um, work on something or you're trying to accomplish something mm-hmm. and you realize oh, I need someone to help me do this. Let's let's go to something that I know like gardening. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I need I've got this garden. I need to till this third acre of land and get all these seeds lined up and get these trenches and things dug. And I need some help. Mm hmm. And so I'm going to call someone and I'm going to pay them to come and help me, mm-hmm. whether I pay them money, whether I pay them in food however, or beer, whatever. Right. But I'm, 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 going, I'm going to pay them. So they're coming into my life for a reason. They right. have to help me till the land, plant the seeds to get my garden to grow. That person's coming to my life for a reason. And mm-hmm. we know that. Mm-hmm. Um, say that I need this person again in the spring, then I need them one more time in the fall. Mm-hmm. So now they're coming into my life. For a season, literally a season to help me either, you know, pick the tomatoes coming up from the spring or replant them again for the fall. Mm-hmm. Coming in my life for a season. So now I'll say that I want to hire this same person to continue to come every time the same year, basically until I die mm-hmm. to help me do my garden. So now they're coming into my life for a lifetime. Right. Okay, now I'm going to translate that because that's just me doing my garden. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to get everything together. A person walks down the street and sees me. They see me struggling. I don't ask them for help. Mm-hmm. But they come over and help me anyway. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe I've got this hand pushing chiller and they're chilling and they help me. Thank you. I never see them again. <laughs> right, right. So then the fall comes and I see them and I said, hey, you want to come and help me? And they said, oh, yeah, sure. So they were doing that. Next thing you know, I did invite them. But they're coming every year at the same time to help me. Right. And I appreciate that help. 
I'm not giving them anything for doing it this time because I didn't ask them to do it. So I don't feel compelled to right, pay them. Right. But when they do come, they might get some fruits and vegetables. Right. Okay, fine. Thank you. And so <laughs> that's the opportunity when you choose somebody to come into your life very distinctly for a reason, a season, a lifetime. Another opportunity where somebody voluntarily comes into your life for a reason, a season, a lifetime, and they're helping you accomplish something. Mm-hmm. Uh, when the garden goes away, you're no longer, no longer doing it. That person is not, not there for that. Okay. In relationships, it happens the exact same way, except what we're getting out of it is a lesson and mm-hmm. that we don't even know that we're getting that lesson until after that person or that situation is gone. Mm-hmm. And those are the things that we have to accept. If we can see people as helpers in order to plant the garden of our own life, then we will allow change into our life to know that they have to go and do whatever they need to do for themselves. Mm-hmm. They'll either come back for the season or they'll come back for the lifetime or they mm-hmm. won't come back at all because they were there for a reason just to help me through whatever I needed to get through. Mm-hmm. And so that's my cross analogy of of how we can look at um, situations and, and life experiences. We see it when we, we lose jobs. Mm-hmm. We see it when we uh, lose friendships. We uh, we see it when relationships, you know, romantic relations break up. Mm-hmm. Um, we see it when... You know, say we're working on a book and the book doesn't get accepted or the book does get accepted, but they want to do it with changes. Well, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> you know, you, you have to make the decision. Are we going to change what we need to change in order to get ahead to do what we need to do? Mm-hmm. Are we going to hold steadfast so that we believe what we thought was right? We thought this, this is perfect. This person doesn't want it. Somebody else wants it. Okay. <laughs> right. You know, we can wait for we can wait for that. We can wait for that, or we can you know take this opportunity to do what we need to do. Right. So yeah, I always tell people take a look at um um like actors mm-hmm. that and and actresses and um uh, sports um persons individuals that are very famous. Mm-hmm. Everyone that I know. This this case in point, one of my son's favorite persons uh, plays basketball. Mm -hmm. And I know him not only because he plays basketball, but because his wife sells pots and pans. And it's Steph Curry. Mm -hmm. And my husband knows Steph Curry so much because Steph Curry's got these really nice tennis shoes that he's always getting my son. (laughs) You know, so so yes, basketball is is what he does, but there's no person in here that's really successful that does one thing. Right. They have to change. They have to know change is coming. Like Steph Curry, no change is coming. I'm not gonna play basketball forever. I mm-hmm. love this. This is great, but I'm not gonna play basketball forever. So I need to have something to fall back on. Right. I need to have something else to do. And his wife is saying he's not gonna play basketball forever. So I need to have something to do. Mm-hmm. You know, and um. I was so excited. I got this little grease thing. It holds bacon grease. Mm-hmm. Um, and Aisha Curry, you know, little bacon grease container. Uh-huh. <laughs> a little small, little small thing. Um, but I was just so happy about that because my son was like, oh, you got Aisha Curry's little bacon grease thing. Well, I don't have to have anything in it. <laughs> it's just that that's his, one of his, uh, you know, guy that he idolizes, but he thinks very, very highly of, and right. so he belongs to his wife. So I think it's very interesting, but those are people who realize they're accepting change before change even happens, because mm-hmm. they know change is going to happen. Right. And I think if and, you and, can, if you can grasp that concept, then you can enjoy the present more. Right. Right. Because you, it's like planning for the future, you know? Mm-hmm. 
you set your, set yourself up um, for that. And um, I, I remember um, going on a job interview a while ago. The lady said, I really want somebody that's going to be here for the long haul. Mm-hmm. Well, wait a minute. Um, I don't know what that means. Right. What does that mean? You mean like for a year? You mean for 10 years? Mm-hmm. Like, because because you're hiring a person for this position, which means the last person, person was not here for the long haul because you have this job opening. Right. <laughs> and so, so what I'm doing is I'm looking at the supervisor and I'm thinking to myself, is this person really realistic? And is this their company? Mm-hmm. Like, they don't know if this company is, I would like to work for a company that would be there for the long haul. Right. I would like to work for a company that's going to be around for 50 years, regardless as how the economy works out. Mm-hmm. Can you guarantee me that? Mm-hmm. Can you guarantee me, you know, raises and good reports and evals and mm-hmm. good quality clientele? Like, what can you guarantee me? Because you're guaranteeing, you want me to guarantee you that I'm going to be here for the long haul. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what that means. Right. And I didn't, I didn't even ask. I just knew that, nah, that may not work. Because, you know, because it's like, what, you know, what does that mean? Right. You know, I remember uh, interviewing for a job and really being involved in, I want a person to be around for the long haul. And like, okay, I'm going to stay here. And three months later, the supervisor quit. Mm. <laughs> this is the same supervisor says they wanted someone to be there for the long haul. Right. So I started to think that maybe the long haul is only maybe like 12 months, maybe. Not really like... 10 years, right. can't really retire there, you know. <laughs> um, it, it's one of those things. It's like you have to you have to give and take. And, and when you say to yourself, you're going to make these changes or you're going to do these things, I've heard people say, I just want more job temporarily mm-hmm. and get, get myself back on my feet. Well, what mm-hmm. does that mean? Mm-hmm. It's just going to work until you save enough money. And people, you know, we realize when the more money we make, the more money we spend. Right. So you're never really going to get on your feet. If you're bad with balancing the budget now, you're going to be worse when you have more money, mm-hmm. not better. Right. And so, <laughs> yeah, because you think that it's unlimited. It's unlimited. I can just buy whatever I want. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, it's something for us to think about. So we can go into things and think that, um, you know, be able to put things in category, reason, season, a lifetime and see what that is. Mm-hmm. Relationships with yourself are lifetime relationships because you're going to always be there for yourself. You can count on yourself. You can depend on yourself always. Mm-hmm. But there is nothing else other than, you know, people have a strong relationship with God. Mm-hmm. There is nothing else that you can guarantee is going to be there with you for a lifetime. Mm-hmm. And sometimes and so, it's, it's things completely out of control. It's not necessarily mm-hmm. that someone's going to say, hey, you know what? I don't want to be your friend anymore. I don't like this yeah. aspect of you or whatever. And I mean, like somebody could uh, lose their life, have a heart attack. I mean, there's so many different things. And I think flexibility is probably, you know, when you're yeah. categorizing, when, you know, when you're going through, okay, you know, so is this, you know, for the moment? Is it for a season or is it for a lifetime? Mm -hmm. If you can be flexible and just throw them all in that moment bucket and then see where they pan out. You know, if someone, you know, it's when I first met Vanel, um, which I'm sure I've talked about her on the show before, but we first met, I auditioned for um, a role in this movie and wound up getting the lead. And then the movie uh, shut down. They turns out the guy didn't have the money that he was promising, but through that serendipitous meeting, uh, Vanel and I, because she was the casting director, she and I started talking and uh, became good friends. And 
Um, you know, and then we started doing projects together. When I did my first feature film, I cast her as uh, one of the leads because I believed in her talent. I, I saw that. So it was, it was a work thing, but we went beyond that as far as she became my little sister. I became her big brother and we looked after each other throughout the years and supported each other through the hardships of divorce, uh, kids going through various uh, issues all sorts of stuff, mm-hmm. you know, financial windfalls and then financial uh, zero, uh, you know, like nothing in your bank account. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> yeah. but through thick and thin, we have remained very, very close friends. And so, but, uh, you know, in the beginning, I didn't know that. I just thought, wow, this is, th- I saw all this potential in this woman and I knew she was going to go and be a star. So I, that was yeah. my perception, but I had no idea that our lives would become entangled and we would, would, you know, become family, chosen family. Yeah. That's, that's pretty amazing. And that's, and that's something that we have to think about, but I like um, the only reason a person could come into your life like that and be what you call a chosen family is that you're open to that. Mm -hmm. You have to be open. Like change also means being open to let something new and someone new into your life. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and see, and, and that's what actually would say that you met her for a reason, mm-hmm. right? Um, and she became a lifetime friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to accept that, mm-hmm. you know, since some of us, we don't want to expose ourselves to anything or anyone new. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And then, of course, I guess the flip of that is some of the friends that I've made through the entertainment industry who it turns out all we really had in common was the job or the writing or the production or multiple productions. But once I moved on to a different phase in life, uh, we didn't have that in common anymore. So a lot of people yeah. went on and I applaud them. Some of them are down in Atlanta, Georgia now being, uh, you know, being connected with huge movies and I'm, I'm happy for them. And we do stay in touch periodically, but it's not the kind of relationship that we had when they were, um, you know, so close, uh, you know, and we were working on so many projects. So you yeah. do have to be willing and able to let go. You know, it's kind of like you can have a bird that is in a cage, but you know, if you open that cage, that bird's going to fly away. And you don't want that yeah. to be the relationship. You want the relationship to be the bird flies, lands in your hand, and then flies away. And you don't know if the bird's going to come back or not, and the bird chooses to come back. Mm-hmm. That's um. If you love something, set it free. If yeah, it there back, you go. <laughs> if it doesn't, it, it never was. Yeah, that's, a, that's it. Give a long version of that. <laughs> I did, I did, and you know that took me right back to um the Pink Floyd lyrics from the last episode about you know she was it she won't let you fly but she might let you sing so yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh me. So if you haven't that's heard it. the last the last podcast, it ties in. We're on we're on a path. And um, so <laughs> go back and check that out. Episode 19. Yeah. 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 You know, I find um, interesting. I remember when I was in the Marine Corps mm-hmm. and um, trying to make a decision as to whether or not I was going to stay for uh, 20 years or if I was going to medically retire. And in the end, of course, it, uh, it wasn't my decision to make. Um, but <laughs> while I was waiting on the paperwork to come back to make the decision, um, I was thinking about that and people were saying, you know, you need to stay in. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you going to do if you get out? Now I'd already achieved my bachelor's degree and my master's degree while I was on active duty. So in my brain, I thought it's okay. You know, I'm, I'm going to go and get my PhD. And I was say, yeah, right. 
yeah, right. Sure you are. So they didn't have a lot of confidence in me, right. but I didn't, I didn't let them, you know, uh, define me, but ultimately I was medically discharged. Right. Um, but those people, those Marines who are now retired and I've, um, not ran into them, but they sought me out on social media and they've written, you know, hi Gunny, how are you? Mm-hmm. What's been up to blah, blah. And so I proudly write back, text back, oh, I'm a PhD now. <laughs> you know, Cause it's like, Cause it was like, that's what I told you. Right. right and so right. thinking I was going to achieve my goals and I can't tell you, well, I'll put it this way out of 10 people that have written me over the last 20 years, mm-hmm. I think only one wrote back once I text back I'm a PhD now. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, you know, they didn't believe in me and for some reason they thought that was an impossible goal, but I didn't let that stop me. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I felt like I had proven myself by saying I'm a PhD now because mm-hmm. they doubted me. But reality of it was they couldn't see beyond that. Just because they can't see your dream don't mean your dream shouldn't happen. Right. They couldn't see beyond that. It made absolutely no sense to them. And they were going to talk to me to be my friend until I was going to achieve what I wanted. And then they were gone. Mm-hmm. And so those lifetime friends I thought I had because I had been friends with some of these people 15, 20 years – uh, they were only there for a season mm-hmm. because they couldn't wrap their mind around who I was and who I had become and thinking that I was, I was in a circle they could no longer be in. And that wasn't, that wasn't true, but that was their interpretation mm-hmm. of it because, you know, they didn't even text back. I mean, I didn't even get a congrats. <laughs> I, knew you could, I knew you could do it. Right. And, oh right. my gosh. I, yeah. You know, I just got to eh, delete her number from my, <laughs> <laughs> so you know, well, it's, you know, yeah. you looked at a text a text message on your phone going, "Hello, uh, did you receive the message?" Like you don't know what they're right. writing. So, okay, well, you know, just kind of move on. But but it happens, and that people they're okay with you as long as you're on their level. You know right. what I mean? But once you move past that, it's not so much that you've changed. People say, "Oh, you've changed." It's not yeah. so much as that they can't grow and they can't change and they can't accept change, and so you have to move from those people because they will mm-hmm. hold you back. They really will. Because just like you said, I'm going to get my PhD. Mm-hmm. Um, you became a self-fulfilling prophecy for good. But there are a lot mm-hmm. of people that, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do if I lose this job. I guess I'm just going yeah. to sit in my trailer and, and die or whatever. You know, some people are yeah. extremists mm-hmm. like that. And yeah. And then some people want to define you, which is none of their business. If they want to say, wow, that's, I I believe that you will get your PhD. I'm behind you. You know what I mean? And then that's awesome. But the people who say, well, I I don't think you'll do that, or I don't think you're going to make it. Those are the people that you, you need to leave on the dock. You need to get in your boat and you need to leave them on the pier. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I do want to clarify something too, because I said, um, because I know I have, I probably have one of my clients um, who listen to the podcast and go, I heard you say this. So I, cause I said, they will hold you back. Cause I always say no one can hold you back by yourself. That is so true. You will, yeah. yeah. You will allow their thoughts and beliefs of what you can and cannot do hold you back. Mm-hmm. Cause like you said, in the very beginning, the door is wide open while you're holding yourself prisoner. Mm-hmm. So yeah, because you're like, well, I don't want to lose their friendship and their friendship <laughs> is more important to me than my goals and my dreams. Yeah. Right. No. (laughs) And you know, when you think about it, those people who are your lifelong friends, there is a symbiotic relationship. You do have to feed it. It does go both ways. But it's not something that you have to, oh my gosh, if I take this job, I'm going to, you know, lose this friendship or whatever. 
because if you do lose that friendship, then it wasn't meant for a lifetime. If people will relax and just, I, I know this sounds very Zen and hippie, but if you'll just relax and accept that this is good in this moment and it may become a lifetime or it may just be this moment, but thank God for that moment, that happiness, the whatever, the encouragement, whatever you needed from that relationship. Thank God it was there. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, um, yeah, we, um, we just, we don't embrace that our own gifts, like what the gifts mm-hmm. that we were born with, um, the things that, that life has kind of set us on a course to uh, achieve or acquire, we don't embrace it. We, we allow people and things and situations, whatever, to come into our lives, to mm-hmm. change our thought process, move us in one direction or another. And even when we realize that this is probably not the best for us, we continue to go that route because we feel as though we have support because these people are with us. But people are, mm-hmm. they're not, they're not your support. They're just, some people like negativity. So they kind of go along for the ride. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. And so, and when you're doing, you know, I say misery loves company, right? Right. So when you're doing bad, they're there. And when mm-hmm. you're doing well, they're not. And you mm-hmm. have to realize that because people say, Oh, you know, when I was doing really hard, um, this person was there for me and I right. told them all these things and they were really supportive. Well, that's because they didn't tell you about them, themselves. Misery loves company. Mm-hmm. They're probably misery t- miserable too. They uh, felt like your misery was worse than theirs. And so they could focus on your misery instead of focusing on their own things. So when things were happy and good for you, now they've got to share their negativity with you in order to help for you guys have something to talk about. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. So they don't want to do that. And so now they're not your friends anymore. And that's right. what it's not, it's not about us. It's about them. Mm-hmm. Um, let them do whatever they need to do. Uh, and if they need us, they can reach out, you know, and if not, you have to move on. But we do, we, we start thinking that, um, we can implement change where change doesn't need to be implemented for someone else. And then we, we hold back on changing and accepting change for ourselves, thinking that it's going to affect someone else and it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so there's a lot of things that we need to work on as humans about acceptance and then being able to. Uh, implement healthy change in our lives um, to make our lives better. So, and sometimes the opposite too, we take things out of our lives that are good for us mm-hmm. uh, and hold on to, you know, negativity um, without even realizing that we're holding on to negativity and that just makes our lives work. And then we get angry at the person that we really did get rid of going, why didn't you stop me kind of thing. Um, <laughs> right. And, and yeah. And they're like, well, you know, <laughs> I had no choice. But that happens. But we have to sit down and think about, like, you know, what's going to be good for us. Um, You know, sometimes we have people that are in like young teenagers, especially in relationships that are not the healthiest for them and their parents. They don't want to listen to their parents. Parents like, you know, it's not not good for you. It's not a good influence. Mm -hmm. It's bringing out, you know, negative aspects of your life. Like you're lying and you're sneaking out and you're stealing. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you're changing the way you speak or changing the way you dress or just going against everything that we taught you that's going to help you be, you know, a good person in society. You're doing other things and they can't see that because they see friendship. Mm-hmm. I see friendship. This person is my friend. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's a scary thing for, you know, parents to be able to talk to their children, to be able to be able to discern what's going to be the best relationship for them but those are lessons that we have to teach our children very early on mm-hmm. so they're not being adults who are um making poor choices for themselves mm-hmm. um and so you know we're asking young people to kind of think it through you know what could be the worst thing that could happen like really think about that 
you have some parents, I know I've heard some parents say, I don't want to dwell on the negative. Okay. I, I understand. I had a, um, a lady in group the other day, um, not my group, it's an on, online group um, that I'm simply a member of, but um, she wrote that her seven-year-old had been watching porn. Mm. And not until she checked her seven-year-old's phone that she had seen that every single thing her seven-year-old had clicked on for the last 30 days had been porn. Wow. And she said, you know, I don't want to be judged. I just want to know what to do. Mm-hmm. And of course, of course, you had people going, why does your seven-year-old have a phone? Right. Why did it take 30 days for you to look at the child's phone? <laughs> uh, yeah. And... Did you click on all those links that said porn? Like, you know, you know for sure they're actually porn. Um, you know, it was a whole lot of things going on there. And, you know, what she really wanted was, you know, somebody to tell her what to do. Right. Um, and all feedback that she was getting, she, her res- response to them was, don't judge me, don't judge me, don't judge me, don't judge me. <laughs> um, and so I posed a question, just a question. Yeah. Are you willing to take the phone? Right? Yeah. Um. Because you gave this child a phone and then you allowed them. Oh, and the other thing was, and they were um, looking at this porn between 12 midnight and 5 a.m. Wow. Yeah. So are you willing to take the phone? Are you willing to change bedtime hours? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And are you willing to accept the change that you now have to have a conversation Mm -hmm. with your seven-year-old child Mm -hmm. about sex? about whatever else like now you've got to go and click those links mm-hmm. for all those porn sites to see exactly what kind of porn that child was watching right because you have to explain it to them in detail and they said you know she said i just want to take the phone and have it go away well it's oh. not it's go away. <laughs> no those seeds are planted <laughs> yeah and so so but but you have an opportunity now and this is one of those times where you're like do you not do anything this child is going to be a 21 year old who's going to be I have no idea. I'm not going to predict this child's future, but right. they have a skewed sense of sexuality. Okay? Right. Uh, and it's going to be saying, my mind's been messed up since I was seven. For mm-hmm. 30 days straight, for mm-hmm. five hours a day, I yeah. watched all these different types of porn. Mm-hmm. And my mother never did anything about it. Mm-hmm. Are you willing to accept that verdict on your head of being this poor parent? Mm-hmm. Because you can change that. Because I feel horrible as a parent. You can change that. Right. You can sit down right now and start. You don't do it all in one day, but you can sit down right now and start being a better parent. Mm-hmm. So then I get hit with, are you saying she's not a good parent? No. Nope. <laughs> not saying she's not a good parent. Right. I'm saying she wasn't being a responsible adult. Right. Whether it was her child or somebody else's child. Right. Would not you were not being a responsible adult, and I can't judge you on what has happened. But you are you are being a very irresponsible adult if you don't take action now. Right. And accept that your child is forever changed. Mm-hmm. You can blame it on whomever you want. You can blame it on the internet. You can blame it on whoever bought the phone. You can blame <laughs> it on who didn't check, their, who didn't check on their child at three o'clock in the morning to make sure they were asleep. Right. You know. It's it's up to you. You put blame wherever you want. But if you don't do it something now, then you're not being responsible. And that's what I'm saying is that acceptance of change is sometimes things that we had no control over whatsoever or we failed to have Mm -hmm. control over. But at that point in time that we realized we needed to do something different, we didn't. That's when we have a problem. Mm -hmm. That's that's when it falls on your responsibility, because I'm going to tell you, my my initial response was as 
a therapeutic coach is, okay, so how long did it take you to write this message that seems to be a whole page on my phone? <laughs> right. And where is your child right now? Right. And where is the phone right now? Yeah. Like, what conversation? Like, you don't need us to tell you anything. Mm-hmm. You want us to tell you that it's okay, that mm-hmm. it's all right, we're make you feel better. You have an issue. You yeah. have a serious issue. You. because you don't know if someone showed this this child this this you know connection you don't know if you got them on a the little kitty site and then they went to that like you need to know where where it started mm-hmm. so it doesn't repeat itself then you need to be able to address those issues with that child but instead it's looking you people looking for you to tell them that it's okay don't worry about it it'll be all right it's not your fault you're not mm-hmm. a bad mommy but all that conversation that you're having after you find out is make make you very irresponsible yeah so, you know, and we don't want to accept that things change. Like how many times I had a parent say, my son said to me um, that someone was bullying him at school. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Horrible. What are you going to do about it? Well, I don't know what to do about it. Okay. What did you talk to your son about bullying? No, I just, you know, I just want him to be okay with being there. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. I don't, okay. I don't know what to tell you. A month later. Right. Mm-hmm. I caught my son taking a knife out of the kitchen. Wow. What did you talk to him about it? I told him to put that back. That that's very irresponsible of him to take a knife to school. Right. Okay. So your son reached out to you when he was being hurt. You don't want to accept that now your son's going to be forever changed because he's being bullied. Mm-hmm. He's changed. He and you have to accept that, which means you got to do something about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Those parents whose whose children are violent and they go to the school and they shoot up the schools and they shoot up the malls, they do all these horrible things. They did not accept that their child changed from being a little toddler, cute little child to something else other than that because of their own experiences when they were young people. Mm-hmm. They didn't do anything about it. You know, they didn't accept that it was good, but they're just still my baby. He's always my baby, but mm-hmm. you didn't do anything. You didn't reach out to get them help. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, because you know when it, when all of this first started, like Sandy Hook and everything, it was about the child that was the offender being bullied. Um, mm-hmm. And and we want to say to our children, right? Things change at school, and people are no longer your friends, and they're bullying you. But it's okay because everybody gets bullied. Right. It's all right. We all go through it. Right. It's just human nature, right? Yeah. And and we're not realizing that our when things like that happen negatively to us, to children and to adults, it changes us. Mm-hmm. And we have to do something about it so that it doesn't negatively impact us. So so we're not sitting there looking at this wide open door that we can walk through to free ourselves. Mm-hmm. But still standing over here with no chains on, but being enslaved to our own negative thoughts, mm-hmm. to our own negative feelings mm-hmm. um, that are moving forward. And so there are people in other people's lives that help them move forward. I say to listen to those people that are looking out for your best interests. Mm-hmm. So if you can't do it on your own, listen to the people that are looking out for your best interests. And if you can't judge that, then ask someone else that you know is looking out for your best interests. Mm-hmm. Like your parents or your siblings, you know, people that have actually been around and will be around for a lifetime because mm-hmm. they love you unconditionally. Mm-hmm. Reach out to those people. But oftentimes we try to do things on our own and we get trapped. Mm-hmm. Like mentally, emotionally, we get trapped. But yeah, anyway, that's my soapbox. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're right. I mean, when you live in the red, 
when you are, you know, you have so many fires you're trying to put out or so many, you know, you're living in a war zone and then somebody comes up and says, Hey, I'm going to help you. But it not necessarily in a good way. Somebody may say, hey, you know what? I'm going to go punch those 15 people in the face. I'm going to go put that mm -hmm. person in the hospital. That's not, I mean, like, you know, you mm -hmm. think, okay, well, at least those fires will be out. But no, that's throwing gasoline on the fire. That's, that's setting mm -hmm. up an explosion for later, just like you're talking about, um, you know, mm -hmm. these, mm -hmm. these uh, school shootings and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Um... You know, and it went from bullying to, you know, being about so much more than that these days, unfortunately, mm -hmm. Race, mm -hmm. racism and sexism and homophobia. And mm -hmm. uh, it's just it, it's. Um, I, I have to ask the question, what are we doing to help the the now offenders? Like, what are we doing when they were younger? Like, we have to really think about because mm -hmm. we cross paths with a lot of people. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think one of the most difficult things for me ever. Um, was as a parent to tell another parent that the behavior of their child is scary. Yeah. Uh, and what has your child gone through? Like, I'm not saying your child, this is a horrible kid. I'm saying you have to go back and look at what your child has gone through um, to be able to, to help them deal with that. So they don't become irresponsible adults, mm -hmm. adults that are going to be, be violent or, and not that being irresponsible means being violent, but you know, that's just right. one of the things irresponsible or violent or, something else but mm -hmm. you know what can you do to help them as a child to deal with these negative situations um and so they don't you know fall prey into situations that are not good for them um to talk about one of the topics that you often talk about like movies and stuff but mm -hmm. i was watching a show and it was called 90 day the other way i think it's called hmm. And um, it was about these people, Americans, who marry foreigners. And they, because first they had the 90 day fiance, they would actually <laughs> have foreigners come to the United States, they had 90 days to marry them so they can get their visa, right? Come into mm -hmm. the United States on a fiance visa. So 90 day the other way is a spinoff of that where people, Americans, go to other countries and they marry the people from other countries. And then, of course, then they both come back to the United States. Hmm. So there was this young, young girl, um, can't remember her name, but she's on their current show. I guess I could talk about her because she's an actress of some sort now. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, she is, they did her story, beautiful young one woman, but mm -hmm. she converted from Christianity to being a Muslim. Mm -hmm. And her parents are, and her brother, her brother's like, okay, she never does anything. Um, a couple of years ago, she said she's going to be a vegetarian, but I caught her sneaking fried chicken up to her room. Okay. <laughs> right. uh, so she never follows through on anything. However, she is... She has a rug face in the right way. She's praying uh, X number of times a day. Mm -hmm. She's planning on going over um, to marry this guy. Well, he told her he was an American. She met him on Facebook. And after months of dating him, well, after 30 days of dating him, he asked her to marry him. She said yes. He mailed her a ring. And then she found out he was from Syria. <laughs> um, yeah. And so her family's like, are you crazy? Um you know, they get into religion and they get into, they don't treat women the same way. Then they get into, this is a country at war, you know, um, mm -hmm. he's trying to, you know, find his way to the United States, whatever. And she says, nothing that you say is going to change my mind. I love him. This is what I want. And she's, and then she makes this statement. I'm going to do what I want to do. And you just have to deal with it. Hmm. So she said that to them, but right. this is, and I say to myself, as I'm watching this, I got my therapy head on. What led up to this? Mm -hmm. 
what led up to having a conversation with your mother, your father, your brother, your sister, your aunt to say, this is my decision. I'm going to make my choices and whatever, whatever, whatever comes out to be, you're going to have to deal with it. Mm -hmm. What led up to this? And so I go back and say, well, what was the first show of this, of this girl? Well, they did the first show and she was um, a model of some sort. She was a gymnast. Um, and she did a lot of different things. Like she even won junior Olympics as a gymnast. She was um, uh, Miss whatever from her, um, from her school, you know, how they both did beauty pageants or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, she's kind of involved in a lot of different things. But when they were doing her, doing her interview, she said, I have never felt okay, happy, comfortable with myself. I've always been looking for something. So her parents were able, were never able to realize that she wanted something different, that she mm -hmm. was looking for change and all these different things they were putting her in. She was um, never happy with them. She did them and she gave it her all, mm -hmm. which let them know she's going to give this situation, this relationship her all. But she never gave up until it just played out. It literally played out when her parents stopped you know, refusing to buy meat. Mm -hmm. eat meat. So, OK, she gave in. Uh, <laughs> once she became you know, 18 and she was no longer do the Junior Olympics or model for the school or be a cheerleader or whatever. Once that time ran out mm -hmm. and she was done. Okay. So what she's doing now is not going to run out. That's being right. a Muslim, perhaps being with the jihad, that's not going to run out. Mm -hmm. It's going to be there. Um, and it's going to carry her through to the end of her days because she has shown that she will stick to it. Mm -hmm. Whatever it is she needs to We'll stick to it until it doesn't want me anymore. And then I'm, I'm going to do that. <laughs> and so what you say to those parents, you know, when they're looking at her, I don't know what's wrong with her and everything. Well, wait mm -hmm. a minute. You have some responsibility when she was 12 years old, when you said, I think you should be a cheerleader. And she says, no, I don't want to do that. Yes, you do. Yeah. And then when she was 13, she said, see how good you are at that? And she said, I really don't want to do it. Well, yes, you do. At 14, you're so good at it. And now you're winning medals, but I really don't want to do it. Yes, you do. Mm -hmm. You're pushing someone to do something and they had, got into it and did it for so long that changing was something they couldn't do. Well, you've been doing it for seven years now. Right. You want in your Olympics now. So you can't do something different. Mm -hmm. And so she became an adult. She decided to do something that nobody else had any power, any control over. And this is where she is. And so I'm not saying it's their fault, but I said, you know, you need to realize that why is it that you wanted her to be a cheerleader? Because you were one. Because mm -hmm. mom was a child, yep. you know, and, and so you got to look at that situation. So I'm so confused now about the choices that she's making, but I think she's going to do this and she's going to stick to it. Mm -hmm. um, and so, and the problem is that she doesn't, she said, she says very casually, I know I'm going to a, con a country that's constantly at war. I know that I'm going to a country and I will be in the middle of a war zone, but that's okay. I love him. Mm. <laughs> so she doesn't even understand. Yeah. Yeah. She doesn't understand the ramification of her actions. She doesn't understand the magnitude of what this really truly means for an American. Yeah. Uh, and so them saying to her, you know, they've taken people over there, young girls, and they've converted them and blah, blah. It doesn't register with mm -hmm. her because for her, it's like, I finally found something that I could do that I believe in. Like this is a young girl. If she hadn't found this, a cult would have found her. You right. Know? Oh, definitely. Yeah. So she's searching for something mm -hmm. and nobody realizes that. So who I thought in this situation, of course, is A and E or whomever it is that's recording this whole thing. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, wait a minute. <laughs> At what point does the cameraman say, you know what? I'm not going to record this because it's <laughs> kind of strange and I don't think we should do this. Right. 
this is this doesn't seem healthy. Like before, <laughs> they, before they, they have another one about uh, I I watch this this stuff strictly on a psychological basis to right. understand the mindset of people. There's another one that says uh, love after lockup, and it's about this these people who basically fall in love with people that they don't know that are in jail, and then mm-hmm. they get out and they marry them and they try to create this normal life for them. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, it is. So why, yeah, is that uh, like the superhero? complex yeah. where they they just want to help this girl turn the, her life around or whatever or something and yeah I'm, and surprisingly enough there there are a lot of girls that's coming out of jail <laughs> <laughs> versus the guys and it's like what well, you know what is this person thinking like there was this one girl who was uh 27 i believe mm-hmm. she was a virgin and she was in love with this guy and they were doing the show and all of a sudden switched to this another girl kind of find out he was married married a woman while he was in jail we had a baby for him and he had this other girl that was a virgin on the side. Wow. And they, they filmed that until the ladies literally figured out on their own that he was cheating. And I was like, and they let her go that far. Yeah. And it's like, what, you know, it's like, I don't know if I'm mad at the guy who got out of jail, who had lied to them or the people that are recording all of this going, right. <laughs> who just says I'm this not- makes good TV. Let's let yeah. this train wreck be well publicized. And you know, that's yeah. only slightly above who is it? Maury Povich who does the, mm-hmm. oh. you know, you were the baby daddy, whatever his mm-hmm. uh, slogan is. Yeah. And yeah, mm-hmm. we're, and it's, it amazes me that that many people around the globe want to see those train wrecks, I guess to make them feel better about wherever they are. Maybe, I don't know, but it just, I don't know. I would like for people to really enjoy the shows that are about life, positivity, Mm -hmm. you know, um, helping people. And I'm with you. It's, uh, you know, for, for to know what the outcome is going to be and to continue acting like Mm -hmm. you don't as you're Mm -hmm. recording, editing every day, Mm -hmm. putting this thing together for great TV, you know, Mm -hmm. yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's a scary thing, but yeah, now I'm 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 actually you know in your sector I'm starting to question, um, um, yeah, the people that are doing the movies, like who's who's editing, who's who's mm-hmm. who's cutting this out, who's like mm-hmm. you know more than anybody else. Like I'm I'm now starting to wonder who's behind the scenes, right? <laughs> more so than the people that I'm watching because they don't know any better, but you you know better, right? So I have to talk to your people. Well, talk and if you people. if you go way back to the beginning of that episode when it was just being pitched and you think about the person who says, Hey, you know what? I think I've found the ultimate train wreck where this girl doesn't know that this guy <laughs> and the fact that there is a group of, of uh, producers sitting around the table going, Oh, that's golden. That's golden. Let's go with that story. Let's go ahead yeah, and yeah, sign yeah. them up. And you know, there's NDA. So no one can speak about what's going to happen. And, um, yeah. and then people tune in every night just to watch it, watch it happen. Yeah. So yeah, that leads me. I'm I'm writing on my little board here as yeah. you were talking, and um, you know, just focusing on change. Like, who is pitching your life story? Mm-hmm. Who's telling it? Who's orchestrating it? Who's setting it up? Are right. you in charge? Are you in charge? Or is everyone else that's watching your life unfold in charge? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and and so if you're in charge, how do you want that story to unfold? Mm-hmm. You know, like I remember being um, um, a young person, not necessarily. Come- conversation to me but I remember my grandfather talking to one of my uncles who got in trouble <laughs> I, and I have so many uncles that they're never going to figure out which one but, um, <laughs> but he says you know do you do you want what you're doing to be on the front page of the newspaper mm-hmm. you want everybody to read that because yeah. if so then go ahead and do it go ahead and do it but if you think about it 
And if you're doing something going, oh, man, I don't want anybody to find out about this, you might not want to do that thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's never right. too late to stop <laughs> and do something different. Right. You know, to, to yeah, you got you got to do something different because people says, um, you know, I've come this far. Right. Mm-hmm. I've come this far. I can't I can't change now. You You have to be able to make good, healthy choices in your life, which means doing something different sometimes. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Even the midst. Yeah. Even the midst of everything. Mm-hmm. And when you were bringing up, you know, who's pitching your life story, who's, who's going to tell mm-hmm. it. And, you know, I think about uh, uh, Sylvester Stallone and Rocky, the movie, and the fact that mm-hmm. they didn't want him in it. That was one of the major, you know, hold holding back the funding and the green light for the movie. They're like, no, you, you can't, you can't be Rocky. You're, you're going to suck. And, can you imagine if they said, hey, you know what? We'll do this movie if you change it from boxing to a hockey, ice hockey. Or can you imagine if somebody from Canada said, hey, you know what? Let's do it about curling. And, um, you know, <laughs> can you imagine Rocky, the, the curling champion? But my whole point is he stuck to his guns and he said, no, this yeah. is the movie I want to make. I've written it. This, this, uh, this is where the power is. If I change it, then I'm going to diffuse it. And if I'm not Rocky then it's not going to be the same movie. And so, you know, you stick with your guns. You know where you want your life story to go. And no one else is going to be pitching it because everybody else is too busy pitching their own movies. So. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's very interesting. But, um, you know, it, it does get to that question, like, you know, what is your life story? What mm-hmm. What is it that you want to be known for? Mm-hmm. Uh, and in order to be known for that that thing, that that one fantastic thing uh what are you going to have to change in mm-hmm. order to accomplish your goals and how are you going to do it mm-hmm. and when are you going to do it when right. are you going to do it <laughs> right you know because <laughs> you know, now is now is not a good time now is never a good time right and so when is it mm-hmm. you know today tomorrow the next day mm-hmm you know, I have people say, you have a deadline and you got to do this by Wednesday. Well, what happens if I don't do it by Wednesday? Right. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, yeah. I think that um, the repetition that people have in their lives when they don't embrace change, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think that it's comforting because you always know what's going to happen. It's really tough trying to get out of that um, that cycle. Um, to find something fresh in you. And it is thrilling. It's kind of like, you know, uh, jumping off a a 20 foot pier into the lake, you know, that's a long way down. And when you're halfway and you think, surely the water is about here and it's not, it's thrilling. (laughs) You know what I mean? And then you have another 10 feet to go and Mm -hmm. you know, you feel it in the pit of your stomach and, but that's, that's the thrill of life. And I think that's, you know, don't be afraid of that because it's an amazing experience. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and fear will hold you back. That's for sure. Fear mm-hmm. keeps keeps us. I mean, we can do a whole another segment on fear, but fear <laughs> keeps us from from making um, healthy choices and mm-hmm. significant change. It keeps us from doing things that we know are good because we're afraid. Like, what if it doesn't work out? Right, and then that um, goes right back to what you were saying earlier about, and what will people think? Mm-hmm, you know, yeah. but it's amazing if you if you talk to the right people. Whether you pass or fail, you did something they were afraid to do and they admire you for it. 
So, mm -hmm. you know, going back to Elon Musk, I admired him, even though his first rocket ship blew up, multiple others blew up, and then he was trying to land them on a ship and they would go into the water and, you know, but I, I'm, I'm still a big fan. I, I love space mm -hmm. travel and I, I'm really excited about what all SpaceX is going to do. Uh, right. Just because you don't know who yeah. you're going to inspire. And sometimes... Right. You know, we talk about, you know, the person that's in your life for a moment or for a season or for a lifetime. And sometimes it is that momentary shot of adrenaline that will make someone else say, you know what, you you could make that windmill work, but I know how to do it and it'll generate power. And so then they create this windmill that creates power and you have this, you know, wind turbines and it's an amazing thing. So you your attempt even though you see it as a failure, may have inspired somebody else because they're building upon everything that you put together because you achieved something monumental. Mm -hmm. You built the thing. It just wasn't yeah. 100%, but 98% was there and someone else took it uh, took it beyond. Yeah. I'm, no, um, I'm in a group. There are um, PhDers mm -hmm. that are studying for their licensure exam and um, I originally was looking for someone who was studying here in the state of Indiana, and I think I found one person in Indiana and nine other people that are all over the country. Mm -hmm. um, but I know uh, in the one larger group, there are a couple of people, you know, they'll, they'll announce, oh, yeah, I passed today. That's great. Everybody gives them kudos. And you have other people who are saying, you know, I fell today. I fell for the fourth time. Right. I fell for the fifth time. I'm about to give up. And, you know, I always say to those people, you know, don't be so hard on yourself or, you know, my family's mad at me because I spent all this money trying to study, blah, blah. And I have to remind them, mm -hmm. you're studying for a licensed exam to be a licensed clinical psychologist. Okay. Those people that are angry with you or frustrated with you or talking about you or whatever, you have to remember one important thing about yourself. Mm -hmm. You have a PhD. You have achieved that goal. You have accomplished that. Mm -hmm. You can't let one test, one exam, the last step in the whole process hold you back because it's not the test that's holding you back. It's what you think other people are going to think of you mm -hmm. that's holding you back. Stop thinking about them. Stop focusing on them because you have accomplished something. you got people who are angry with you that are talking down um, at you. They're saying, what is wrong with you? They didn't even go to college. Right. <laughs> and you've got anywhere from 12 to 16 years under your belt mm -hmm. of additional school beyond your high school diploma. You have all that under your belt and you're listening to them pass judgment on you. Mm -hmm. Why are you doing that? Right. Cause that's additional stress. Like if you not, if you didn't think about them, how much time and you know, more time and energy could you put into studying and doing what you need to do for yourself? Mm -hmm. So that's, what, that's one reason why we have to tell people you remove the negativity from your life. Mm -hmm. You know, just not saying you don't have to, you know, don't talk to your family ever, but maybe don't talk to those people until after you're done studying mm -hmm. because they're discouraging to you. Mm -hmm. And I always say to people too, don't tell people when you're testing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Why does everybody need to know when you're testing? Right. Because you're sitting there taking the test and you're wondering like, oh my God, I told grandma, right. I told my cousin. And when you get the results back, like now I got to talk to my grandma again, right. my cousin, you know, right. And so, you know what I'm saying? And so, you know, just put your little celebratory stash on the side, mm -hmm. plan off what you're going to do if you pass, plan off what you're going to do if you're not pass, and and keep it moving. Mm -hmm. You know, just uh, you, have to, you have to keep moving. And so, uh, and we have to, you know, admit, I have uh, one other lady, she, she, um, she 
failed three or four times. I'm not sure. But she says, um, the program that you're using, I don't think it's a good program. Try this program. Mm -hmm. So I say, have you been using that program for the last two years? Because that's like you failed, like using that program. Mm -hmm. Like, have you tried the new program? No, but I have confidence in this one. But why? (laughs) Right. Why? Why do you keep using that program? The program, you know, it gives you all your study notes. It gives you auditory stuff. It gives you written quizzes. Okay, I know that. I know that. Mm-hmm. But it hasn't helped you. Either you're not using it the way it was designed to be used, or it's not giving you what you need. Either way, right? Mm-hmm. You need to change something else. How about doing something else? No, I don't want to do that because I'm used to this one. Okay. <laughs> but so you, know, what you, you know, what are you going to say? What are you going to say, right? That's right. And I, you know, over the years, because I've been editing video for longer than I care to mention, but um, the big the big app that pulled me over onto the digital side with non-linear editing was Final Cut Pro. And of course, I grew with that and used that for, I don't know, eight years, whatever. And I would have people tell me, hey, you should check out Premiere. It's really good. I think it's almost as good as Final Cut. I think it's better than Final Cut. And I would all just, I, I'd be like, no, you know what? Apple rocks. I'm sorry you guys don't have that. Final Cut Pro is the best. Sorry you don't have that. Look at the industry standards and stuff. But eventually when uh, Apple decided (laughs) to drop Final Cut Pro, I was left with a decision. I could stay with this dying, you know, it's like the Titanic just sinking. Or I could move on to uh, Premiere. And it didn't take that much uh, effort to change as far as, you know, there are little keyboard commands that are different. The editing setup is a little different, but very similar, but it wasn't nearly as scary as I thought it would be because I knew Final Cut Pro, like the back of my hand, a uh, client could come in and say, Hey, I, I need this done. I need that slow down. I need this to happen. And, and it was just like that. And so, you know, it took me about three months to get that proficient with Premiere. But I, you know, based upon everything I'd already learned about editing, I carried with me. And so it wasn't like I was learning from scratch. So a lot of times we have this preconceived notion like, wow, I can't do that because it's going to be too, it's going to be mind blowing in whatever direction. And a lot of times it's that fear again, holding us captive in that room with the door wide open. Go and be free. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love your example because that's exactly what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. I was going to carry out that and say, you had a reason for not wanting to change. Mm-hmm. It had nothing to do with you, how you thought this was better than that. It's like, I am afraid that it would be a, a learning curve. Mm-hmm. I am afraid that I would be lost. I would be <laughs> right. afraid that I would not be able to give my clients what I need to give them as quickly as I've been giving them. Exactly. Um, and. You know, when you're older, whew, you really don't want to change. Right. You really don't want to do anything <laughs> different. You really don't want to learn anything new. Mm-hmm. So here you were forced to make a decision. Mm-hmm. And even though all those times, or I don't know if it was a year or a couple of years or whatever, they were telling you now was not the right time for you, right? Right. And so now <laughs> the, the time came when now was today. Right. And it's like, I have, I have to change because this is no longer even available to me. Right. Um, and, and when we are forced to make change, sometimes, sometimes it works out, you know, in our best interest. And, mm-hmm. um, and sometimes we end up going along, if we're really, really afraid, we end up going along a path of something totally different that is going to 
either make us come back to what we were afraid of to start with or <laughs> go along a path that we don't need to go along. Because you could have said, okay, so Apple's not using this anymore, so I'm going to use something else, knowing that for a long time, something else that was good that mm-hmm. you're using now was actually in your face the whole time. Right. But if you have real, real ultimate fear, it's like, I'm not even going to do that now. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do something else, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you have to, um, yeah, you have to be able to recognize what it is that you're, like what's holding you back. Mm-hmm. We, and we to, have to recognize what's holding us back. Yeah. I think if you can find those um, gateway moments, if you will, if, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. whatever you're trying to do, if you want to, if your goal is to run a 5K, which I think would be cool, but I'm nowhere near that. But if I just start walking, <laughs> you know, and mm-hmm. then maybe yeah. I run some sprints up and down the driveway at 5.30 a.m. when no one can watch me. You know what I mean? But that that prepares. And, you know, it's um, I'm a big watch fan, and I didn't want a digital watch. I love analog. and But at one point, I had a Fitbit watch, which was my gateway to the Apple Watch. So sometimes you need that little catalyst that will initiate some change so that you can see that it's not so scary and you can move forward. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like that too. I like um, the analogy of start walking. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and, you know, <clears throat> it's interesting because when we're um, in safety things, when you're young in school and they're mm-hmm. telling you walk, don't run to the nearest exit. <laughs> and you're like, but it's fire. It's a fire. right? right? Get out of here. It's a fire. You know, but, but arms that's, up that's and what, screaming, right? <laughs> yeah, arms up, <laughs> yes. Or arms up. Screaming. But, but that's what's going to funny. But that's what's going to keep you safe. That's right. <laughs> and keep everyone else walking. safe. <laughs> but if you start walking, right. And mm-hmm. keep focus, keep your mind focused on, you know, where you're going, mm-hmm. uh, taking baby steps, you will get there. That's mm-hmm. why children don't start out running. So mm-hmm. we start out, we start out crawling. We're, we're, first we're rolling and then we're right. scooting and then we're crawling and then we're walking and then right. we're running and then we, and then we fly and then we fly. So, yeah. you know, but you, 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 there's a reason, right? That's a reason why right. uh, development is that way. Mm-hmm. And uh, we always want to go so quickly to get to the end, but children, um, I mean, are definitely the best lesson in the world, but it's like when we're learning a language, mm-hmm. um, I attempted to teach Spanish um, to my son because I'm homeschooling him. So I got through one semester and then I turned him over to a Spanish speaking (laughs) teacher. Right. Um, But the first thing was like, wow, you know, we have to learn the alphabet. Mm -hmm. And I was like, we know the alphabet. We don't know the alphabet in Spanish. And I was realized that all the languages are the same. When when I taught sign language, I did teach him sign language. I learned sign language myself. Mm -hmm. But it also started with the alphabet, you know. So there's a, there's a, there's a, Getting that to start off, the basic concepts of understanding things and mm-hmm. the basic concepts of understanding yourself. And that's why I like, you know, meditation. Kind of sit back and relax and think about you and the decisions that you need to make and how they're affecting you and uh, choices you need to make. And if you don't know all the answers, if you can't get it all together, then talk to someone who does, mm-hmm. who can help you um, mm-hmm. make a decision. And then you have to still sit back and say, is this decision is in my best interest or <laughs> is it something that's in their best interest? You know, and, um, you make your choices going in that direction. And sometimes life throws your curveball and, you know, life makes decisions for you. Just like you, you no longer have the app available that you need. Right. So now use something else. <laughs> but it happens, you know, right. but you still had a choice. You could have gone with something totally different. Right. You know, you still had a choice. And right. so, but you, you have to, you have, we have to challenge ourselves when we um, make a change and um, 
and so it's not, you know, the, this segment is not necessarily about uh, making changes and realizing people and things come into your life for a reason, season, a lifetime, but it's about acceptance of change. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes we can make the change. Sometimes we are forced to make the change because mm-hmm. change is inevitable, um, just like death. Mm-hmm. Um, accepting it is something that is probably more difficult than anything else. Mm-hmm. So. Um, it's just, you know, just a lot of situations come to mind. It was like this, um, many years ago, this man's wife passed away and he had a hard time accepting her death and he had a wake for her and the family came over and everything. And, uh, he said he didn't want to have a funeral and they, they accepted that and everybody went on about a month later though, they came and realized that he had her embalmed and then kept her in his home. Wow. Uh, yeah. He did not. You know, at least he didn't leave her rotting and decaying. He preserved her. Right. Um, you know, it's a positive way to look at it, but he didn't marry her. <laughs> right. But said, I'm not accepting that she's gone. Mm-hmm. So, wow. Um, well, in the physical sense, yeah. uh, the body was still there versus I have uh, some friends <laughs> that when they lost their sibling in the parent's home, they set up this little shrine and mm-hmm. all these pictures and items and, you know, and I didn't grow up with that, but it almost reminded me of, you know, like in the second Matrix movie where they bring all these things and uh, give them to, you know, put them outside Neo's apartment. And so that was kind of like uh, people would come and and bring these things and it was overtaking a quarter of the room. And yeah, that's I'm anyway, that's not how I deal with death. I'm kind of an oddity when it comes to that. But yeah, you're right. You, You need to accept change and and. There's still the good memories, you know. You can still yeah. have those mm-hmm. pictures, carry a coin that they gave you or something. But um, but you're yeah. right. You need to keep that forward movement. Otherwise, it's stagnation in your life. Mm-hmm. It it can be debilitating. Mm-hmm. Um, it 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 really can. Um, yeah. And so we we have to have to see what's best for us. Um, and, it, you know, in, in a situation where you have people pass on, you also have to look at, especially someone, um, your spouse or something, like, what would they want you to do? They would want you to go on with your life. They want you to live your life, just like you would want them to live theirs. Right. Um, and so sometimes um, we allow things that we cannot change, mm-hmm. um, define us, and keep us stuck in a situation that we don't need to be stuck in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have to figure out, and if you can't do it on your own, that's why we have therapists. So you can find somebody to talk to, to help you make whatever transition you need to make. And you can grieve anything. You can grieve a loss of a, a loved one through death. Mm-hmm. You can grieve a loss of a loved one through divorce. Mm-hmm. You can leave loss of loved one through adultery. You can leave, you lose a loss of loved one. Like a mother could grieve the loss of her son through marriage. He's happy. He's married. He's comfortable, but you're like freaking out. Right. You can get married to him. Too, you know, like oh, he's my baby. <laughs> right. So you know, you you have to realize that grief is something um, that you have to work through, and you mm-hmm. don't have to do that on your own. Like, mm-hmm. a, and grief could be all levels, you mm-hmm. know. And grief um, can be for pets. It could also be for right. your job. You could, yep. uh, or some project, or some movie that you're trying to get going, or even you know, like your favorite car. I mean, there it's your attachment to these items, whether they're, you know, living and breathing or uh, mechanical in some way or digital. And yeah, yeah. it's, um, yeah, you need to be able I, to, to, 
accept these things. Yeah. I, um, I knew being in the military, there were several homosexual relationships. I was working on a book um, called The Forbidden Fruit. Mm-hmm. And everybody knew I was working on this book. They kept saying, what's that book about? And I said, I would never tell them. Right. But it was about homosexual relationships in the military. Of course, I was out by that time. Right. And then in the middle of me writing this book, they lifted the don't ask, don't tell policy. Right. And homosexuals were allowed to be openly gay in the military. And I said, this book isn't going to sell. Right. This, is not, even, this right. isn't even an interesting read anymore. <laughs> you know? so, right. So, so I had to, you know, I had to. And so I tried rewriting like in a poem. I tried to like, and it just, I was like, you know what? I'm going to have to grieve this loss because this is no longer, it, mainly because it took me like 10 years to write it, right? Right. But it's no longer an interesting read, you know? Right. 10 years before, people were like, wow, what? Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, I would never imagine that. And now it's like, whatever. Right. You know? <laughs> Not a big deal. And so you, ha- so you have to do something different. That's right. You start working on a different book, you know, so. That's right. But, yeah. You know, so it happens, you know, yeah. uh, 10 years ago, I wouldn't have thought that was as, as funny as it is right now. But, um, <laughs> no doubt. Well, was, uh, I'm with you yeah. there. It's kind of like when you're <laughs> writing a script and then somebody that you've shared that script with sends you a trailer uh, for the next Michael <laughs> Bay movie. And it's your movie script that you've been writing, you know, and then you're like, oh, well, my gosh, I guess, you know, and you haven't shared it with yeah. anyone. So nothing has been stolen. You know, it's it's this is just. <laughs> Evidently, you had a really good idea. So did Michael Bay or whoever the, uh, you yeah. know, and so, yeah. and yeah. then, so, yeah, you do have to kind of, it's like when Batman versus Superman came out and I, I haven't, I hadn't even written on this project and it was more kind of therapeutic, um, dealing with the dynamics of who Batman was and Superman and Wonder Woman. And, but anyway, I'd, I'd written half the script and, and um, anyway, and of course, I didn't own the intellectual property rights for any of these characters. So literally I I knew what I was doing, but it was funny. I, you know, remembered, I think it was Jake that reminded me, you know, Hey dude, you remember you wrote a a script dealing with Batman versus Superman. I was like, yeah, you're right. So I actually went back and read my script and it wasn't half bad, but I can laugh now that I never completed it. You know, uh, somebody else already did the movie and, it wasn't all that popular, so maybe mine would have been better. But I mean, I can't live in it with that. Like, oh man, I'm, I need to beat myself up because I didn't finish it. No, I didn't finish it, and it's yeah. fine. You know, it was it was therapeutic for me, so it uh, got a lot of stuff out, my frustrations with life yeah. and stuff through the character of Batman. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah, that's yeah. yeah, that's very that's very interesting. So I have uh, my daughter. She's soon to be 29. She loves Batman. Really? Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I can tell you stories, but that would be another that would be another show. That's it. Well, we'll have you on Waxing Cinematic, and you and I can talk Batman. How's that? <laughs> oh my gosh! How about you just have her on a show of, of yeah? Okay, have her. line it her. up, line it up, and we will yeah. discuss Batman. Yeah. It'll be a special Batman centric episode. <laughs> <laughs> now, okay, so now, so since we're going to close out, we're going to take that back to acceptance of change. Yes, Batman was definitely a person that changed, if you know, evolved, and right. he became. The bat. So right. That there you go. You know your bat history. That is awesome. So yes, yes. Mention that to your daughter. We'll have a. Uh, we'll we'll discuss all the Batman movies, comics, whatever she wants to talk about. Batman. It'll just be the Batman episode. That'd be fun. 
<laughs> Stick with me. I told you I was going to make you famous. That's right. <laughs> That's right. right. It's been great. It's been great. This was, I actually like this was a fun show. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the 18 Degrees Below Horizon podcast with your hosts, Dr. Nicola Felton and John Fouts. While Dr. Nicola is a psychotherapist and certified life coach, a podcast is a one-way street. So please consider this podcast for inspirational purposes only. If you feel you have mental health needs, please seek a professional therapist so that you might find your own mental wellness. Happiness is possible. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.